ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. Making picks, predicting upsets, winning my bracket group, and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Allstate. We're coming out the tunnel on College Football Live, letting you know that you better look out if Colorado takes something personally. The Buffs, they got another win. They continue their climb in the polls, and now they're getting ready to host game day. But what do they need to improve on if they want to turn personal into proven? Plus, Ryan Day, he has made it official. Kyle McCord is the Ohio State starting quarterback for the season. Greg McElroy, what this means for the Buckeyes. And how about that Texas-sized win we saw the Longhorns get? We've got Big 12 preseason defensive players of the year Jalen Ford joining us live is it finally time to start believing this Longhorn Nation we're I'm Kelsey Riggs. Great to be with you today. And what a weekend it was in college football. Let's get right to the big game of the weekend because you heard Sam Ellinger say it right there. But he's not the only one feeling good about Texas. This program scored its first win over an AP top three ranked opponent since 2008 when the Longhorns beat number one Oklahoma. Now, they've got the second best chance to make the college football playoff. at 45% according to ESPN Analytics. That's a 20% increase from the chance that they had this preseason. Their quarterback, Quinn Ewers, he was the star for Texas, finished with nearly 350 passing yards. That is tied for the second most passing yards by a Texas player against an AP top five opponent all time. So, Des, the question is simple. Is Texas football back? Kelsey, Greg, you know, I hate to disappoint you guys. I'm just not the knee-jerk reaction type of guy. That's, it's just not who I am. Now, listen, that was a huge victory. It was a statement win on the road against a top-notch program in Alabama. But to say that they're back, it's still really early in the season. And that's one of those games that since last year when they lost in Austin, is one that they circled on their calendar, is going through their um, football facility, that score. So that was a big game for them. Hell of a win, but to say that they're back, uh, I'm not quite there yet. I think you look at their schedule, they still got Oklahoma. Hey, I, I don't know if people have been paying attention to the Sooners, but they've been really scoring a lot of points lately with Gabriel Dillon. They're a dangerous team. I think Texas Tech may be a team that can give them some problems. Kansas is playing great, Greg. So before I say they're back, I need to see a lot more from them. But that was a signature win Saturday night. No doubt about it. Well, Des, I think the biggest problem with Texas has not necessarily been personnel, but it's been something about their mental toughness. We've seen them get up in games, control games in the first half, only to see things slip away as the game goes along. I think we know now this team's a legitimate national championship contender. Look at the odds. Vegas, they didn't get rich overnight by giving people bad odds. <laughs> Clearly, they recognize the greatness that Texas potentially has. And 
you watch the game this past week, they get up 13-3. Alabama responds beautifully with a big play. Next thing you know, Bama takes the lead 16-13. And that momentum shift, it lasted for about five minutes. JT Sanders gets a big play. They answer. Then it goes from really a three-point deficit to an 11-point lead by taking advantage of a Milrow interception. So I think the biggest thing I learned from Texas this past weekend is that they have the talent naturally to compete, but they also have the mental toughness to be able to weather the storm in what is a very difficult environment against a quality competition. Well, and the win was a massive one. It also pushed them up seven spots in the poll, as you see, to number four right now in the AP Top 25. But, you guys, the flip side of this is what happened to Alabama and some of the streaks that were snapped in this loss for them. They had won 21 consecutive home games, the longest streak in FBS. They'd also won 73 consecutive home games when leading in the fourth quarter. Last loss for them coming in 2011 to LSU. And it had been 20 years. Years since they did not start a season 2-0. and They are, of course, 1-1 one and one now, but their head coach, Nick Saban, says he's not ready to hit the panic button just yet. I think all these things are fixable, very fixable. I believe in our players. I think we've got good players. Uh, I think, you know, Texas has a good team. And um, just like I said before, you know, it was a test. Uh, it was like, you know, an early test in the semester. Uh, we didn't grade out very well on the test, so... You know, what are we going to do to get a better grade? The mindset of the team, we're pissed off. I'm not going to lie. We Like, who wants to lose at home? You know, but there, there's only ever been two undefeated teams to win national championship here at the University of Alabama. And all of our goals are, are still obtainable. We can still win the SC West. We can still win the SEC and get a college football playoff spot. All right, so the expectations are still high for this team, but Greg, you hear Nick Saban say it's fixable. Obviously, this program is held to a different standard in terms of what the goal is long term. So, is it fixable for them? What do they need to What do they need to focus on? Well, I, I think when you look at where Alabama needs to adjust, I mean, their best players need to play like their best players. And the strength of this team all offseason, you hear about how great their offensive line is. And then fast forward to the game against Texas, and they were arguably the weakest link on the team. Countless pressures given up. Jalen Milrose running around for his, for his life. And he gets sacked five times in the process. Never really looked comfortable. And in addition to being have, having a difficult time pass protecting, they also had a really difficult time running the football. Running the football and first and second down efficiency has to be a premium for this team. So when your best players don't play like your best players, and if anything, they actually played a little bit like an Achilles heel, it's going to be difficult for this team to find success. So it really starts with the offensive line. They have to be better. And if they won't, Des, it'll be very difficult for them to reach their potential this year. Yeah, well, Greg, you know that this program is a really buttoned-up program, and they've been known to not, not beat themselves. But for them to have 10 penalties for 90 yards, that's just so uncharacteristic of a Nick Saban team. So the penalties are something that I believe the coach was alluding to when he said these things are fixable. And then you're looking at the defense, the secondary, Greg. I mean, this is like Coach Saban's baby. He coaches a secondary oftentimes, and they had a lot of busts in the backfield, um, blown assignments, guys running free, running open, and just getting flat-out beat. So when you look at the defense, the secondary needs to get fixed. But overall, as a team, offensively and defensively, they cannot be penalized 
to the to the to the rate in which they were penalized Saturday night. Ten for ninety yards. That's unacceptable. Greg, I just want to get your reaction to that as well, because to, to your point, Des, that's not what you expect usually out of an Alabama team that's usually so disciplined. Well, I mean, they've actually had issues with penalties the last couple of years, and I think when things start to slip away, they lose their cool. And I did think that there were moments in which they haven't really had great poise the last couple of years. It needs to get addressed, and I completely agree with Des' take. that secondary, they got to find more favorable opportunities in the secondary because when they get in one-on-one situations with a safety against a really fast athletic linebacker or a fast athletic weapon for the offense that's going to be a problem too so they got some things to clean up defensively as well but I really believe it I genuinely believe everything that they had this past weekend is fixable but they better start quickly because even though South Florida might be a bit of a pushover Ole Miss will not be a week from Saturday. It was the largest home loss in Nick Saban's coaching career there at Alabama. We'll see how they're able to bounce back. Let's switch gears now to another story we are following here on College Football Live. And that suspended Michigan State football coach Mel Tucker has denied claims that he sexually harassed noted sexual assault awareness speaker Brenda Tracy. Tucker said in a statement released yesterday that the two developed an intimate relationship and that Tracy's claims are, quote, completely false Earlier today, acting head coach Harlan Barnett addressed the media. We're tough. We're Spartans. We're resilient. Um, uh, and for another term that I tell people sometimes, I'm a dog. I'm a dog. Be a dog. We, we're going to push through this um, as Spartans do, as Spartans will, right? Spartans will. And uh, we, will, we will push through this. We'll become better for it, like, like everybody does when they come out of adverse situations that keep fighting and keep pushing through. So I expect that to happen. College football senior writer Pete Thamel with us now. And Pete, obviously this program has a big game coming up this weekend against Washington. But where do they stand with this Mel Tucker situation and what they do moving forward? Yeah, Kelsey, moving forward, I think there's been some uh, hints left by each side of this that portend future actions. I think the university suspending Mel Tucker without pay is a sign that they potentially could be firing him for cause come early October when there's a hearing about the alleged sexual harassment allegations. Uh, As for Tucker, his attorneys and he released a statement yesterday in which he called the investigation a sham. Uh, He he obviously was, uh, you know, disagreed with some of the facts set laid out by the investigation and uh, had strong words for, for, for Brenda Tracy and how some of the allegations were laid out against him. So it appears like Tucker is now laying out a case. If he does get fired for cause, there's $80 million essentially on the line. And if he's fired for cause, he could be entitled to none of that. So there's a potential lawsuit from Tucker's side that his, that his lawyers appear to be setting up for if indeed, as expected, he's fired for cause in October. Something we will continue to keep an eye on here. We appreciate the very latest from you, Pete Thamel. He'll be back in just a little while with an update on Tez Walker and the situation continuing to unfold at North Carolina. More on that in just a little while, but still ahead here on College Football Live. We're going to talk about what we saw from Colorado. They are one of eight Pac-12 teams currently ranked in the top 25. We'll discuss what's the ceiling for Dion's squad on the other side of this break. Plus... There he is, fresh off the upset victory against Alabama, Texas linebacker Jalen Ford will join us live. That's coming up on College Football Live. ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? 
I'm doing my bracket right now. Making picks, predicting upsets, winning my bracket group, and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Capital One. Reggie White, who's a defensive end for the Green Bay Packers, says that the firebombing of his church in Knoxville, Tennessee this week was the work of racists who may have been trying to hurt him. First there was one fire, then there was another, then there was another. It wasn't just Reggie's church that burnt down. Hundreds of churches burned in the 90s. I think we have a major problem in our country that we don't want to admit, and that has to do with racism. Was this 1996 or 1956? 30 for 30 podcast and Antsgate presents Through the Flames. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. He'll loft one downfield. A ton of air. Swarthy's got it for a touchdown. Huge play for the Horns here early. Milrow launches downfield. And it's gone for a touchdown. Haymakers back and forth now. To Alabama. Not done yet. A quick strike. Three-point game now. Lewis launching downfield. Touchdown, Texas. This brand has been away a long time. And tonight, they're back showing people they can play with the best teams in the country. It's Talk to Me Tuesday here on College Football Live, and we've got All-American Big 12 preseason defensive player of the year, Jalen Ford here with us, fresh off of that win over Alabama. First of all, congratulations. I know this means a lot to you. You're a guy who's from Texas. This is your fifth year with the program. So what kind of statement did that make about Texas football? Um, you know, I thought it was just really good for us to go out there and uh, kind of, you know, show all the hard work we've been putting off, and especially this off season. Um, you know, there was a lot of uh, we didn't, we you know, we didn't finish the season how we wanted to last year, and I thought just getting an opportunity game two uh, to go to Tuscaloosa and kind of just you know prove ourselves and uh, kind of uh, step up to the moment, and I thought it was really great, great experience. Jalen, I'm sure after a win like that, you've heard from a lot of people, whether it was in person, on the sidelines, there were a lot of people there, on social media. What's the best interaction you've had with a fan or, or just someone outside of the program about what it meant to see you guys get that win? Um, I definitely, you know, when we got back, uh, there's a video out there. Um, a lot of the students kind of, we got a tower here uh, on campus, and uh, a lot of the students were there celebrating the win. And um, they kind of waited for us to get back uh, off a flight and get back um, off the bus. And they kind of, you know, we all went up there and they congratulated us and, you know, took pictures with us. And it was just really cool to see that all the pride that uh, all the students had um, on and within their football team. And just, you know, just the all, all around university, making them proud. Uh, it's a big moment, I know. And listen, maybe not everybody believed in you guys, but we got one guy here who did. Dez, what, what yeah, you got for huh? Jalen? <laughs> <laughs> hey, Mr. Ford, I know you guys are busy the day of the game, but I don't yeah. know if your schedule allowed you to see game day that morning and if you were able to see who on set actually picked the Longhorns. And if you did, did you see how that pick actually was executed? I did. I, I saw your little your little folding chair. I seen it. Um, that was. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, just you know, uh, yeah. There you go, right there. <laughs> um, you know, I know you got a couple boos, but uh, I appreciate you know the, the faith and you know and trusting us. I'm um, seeing you know the potential we had. 
Oh, you got the love from him, and you guys are getting the love from all over. Jalen, we appreciate the time here on College Football Live, and best of luck to you guys the rest of the season. Thank you. I can't wait till this thing kicks off because we are coming. The hype is all around Dion's team. see what kind of picks Doug does has this weekend what he does as they head to Boulder to get ready for Colorado State at Colorado game day 9 a.m. right here on ESPN but that takes us to now this week's ultimate performance presented by BMW and we got to dive deeper into what we've seen from Colorado quarterback Shador Sanders he's thrown for 451 yards per game this season. The most in FBS, the highest average over a two-game span in Colorado history. Just impressive stuff from him so far to start. Impressive stuff from this team all around. You guys, they're 2-0. That's already more wins than they had all of last season. They're up to number 18 in the polls. And as mentioned, they are back at home with College Game Day there this weekend. So, Des, what does this team need to do in order to to, to sustain the success that they've had so far this year? I tell you what, I'm very impressed with um, the Buffs and the way they came out the gate against TCU. Obviously, that was like a fast game. Both teams wanted to go at hyperspeed. But then for them to play the way they did a week ago against Nebraska, the Cornhuskers wanted to take the air out of the ball. They wanted to play a prevent defense, keep everything in front of them. And for Colorado to play two different styles but able to adapt and then dominate in both styles shows me that this team – is not only um, athletically gifted, but they're mentally tough, too, because they can make um, changes on the fly. They can adapt. So I'm really impressed with what I've seen from Colorado so far, and I'm very excited that college game day will be in Boulder Saturday for the Colorado State versus Colorado game. That is going to be just a wild atmosphere, I'm sure. So much excitement around that program and what they are doing so far this year as you take a look at the standings. Brought to you by Allstate. Colorado is not the only Pac-12 team making noise, of course. Eight of the league's 12 teams are in the top 25 this week. That's the most ranked teams in a single week in the history of the conference. USC, fresh off of their big win against Stanford, leads the way at number five. But you guys, impressive stuff so far from the Pac-12 and, and Greg, a Pac-12 that the future really unknown for what's going to happen in the future. Eight teams. Who's a team that we're not talking about from this league that you've been really impressed with the noise that they've been making so far this year? Well, the usual suspects are getting all the attention. USC, Washington, Colorado, but just Oregon flying under the radar is little old Oregon State. Don't sleep on the Beavers, man. These guys can run it as often as humanly possible against whatever defense they're facing. They can move you off the ball. They have a tremendous, tremendously balanced offense. And now, with the addition of DJ Uwe Ungalale, they have quarterback run that they can marry up to their run game. They have a deep ball passing attack that they can feature as well off play action. So I think this is a really well-rounded outfit on both sides of the ball. I agree with you, uh, Greg. Well-coached team, but how about Washington State? Greg, I think the most talented dual-threat quarterback in the college football that no one's talking about is Cam Ward. I don't forget, he beat Wisconsin a year ago, and then what did he do? Two touchdowns, zero interceptions, also led the team in rushing with 43 yards. I like Washington State. The Cougars are ready, man. This is going to be an interesting 
Pac-12 season. It was their first time hosting a Power 5 non-conference opponent since 1998, and they stepped up in a big way. Let's get to another college football story we're continuing to follow here on College Football Live and bring in our insider, Pete Thamel. Pete, continuing to keep an eye on what's happening in North Carolina. Their wide receiver, Tez Walker, his appeal to play this season due to the two-time transfer rule was denied. So what can you tell us about the latest about what North Carolina plans to do? Yeah, Kelsey, from talking to sources today, there's no legal action that's imminent or even likely from UNC in terms of trying to get eligibility for Tez Walker after a second waiver appeal was denied last week. Uh, UNC's board obviously met with athletic officials, and they've come to the conclusion, essentially, uh, Kelsey, that nothing is really going to be fruitful, and, and there really aren't any good legal options in terms of eligibility. Uh, Tez Walker and his camp have begun to peak forward. Does he leave school and go to the NFL draft this year? He was considered going into the season, Kelsey, a top 50 prospect. But much of that was the assumption he'd be catching a lot of balls from Drake May. That didn't happen, and it leaves Tez Walker at a crossroads here in mid-September. Just an unfortunate situation all around a decision by the NCAA that I think a lot of people have had a problem with. Pete Thamel, we appreciate it. Still ahead on College Football Live, we're talking quarterbacks. Ohio State, they have their one guy now. We'll have more on Kyle McCord after this. Desmond, Greg, and Kelsey with you here on College Football Live. And, guys, Ohio State head coach Ryan Day said Kyle McCord is the starter moving forward. Greg, we know it had been a little bit of a back-and-forth controversy about what they would do. What do you think about the decision and their ceiling with him at quarterback? Death is the only punishment here. Now streaming, FX's Shogun. My master asks, what do you seek here? To vanquish our common enemies. Based on the global bestseller by James Clavell. War is coming. The epic saga of war, passion, and power. Let it come. FX's Shogun, now streaming on Hulu. Well, I think it's going to be really helpful for Kyle McCord. I mean, it looked like at least against Indiana. Now take the Youngstown State game with a bit of a grain of salt. Against Indiana, he looked a little bit apprehensive, maybe a little concerned to make a mistake. Now he's going to be able to just cut it loose. He knows that the coach is behind him. He's not going to be afraid that if he turns it over, he's going to get the hook. Because against Indiana, he threw the pick. And then next thing you know, Devin Brown came in for three plays, goes three and out, and then McCord was back in the game. So it's very difficult to play quarterback when you're looking over your shoulder. So I would anticipate a much more comfortable Kyle McCord and for this passing game to finally get going. Because up to this point, they've struggled on third down. And they have to right the ship here pretty soon as the competition ramps up against Notre Dame a week from Saturday. And you hit the, the nail on the head with that one, Greg. I mean, listen, they're going to week three. Um, it, was, it, was, it was incumbent upon Ryan Day to, to name a starter. You got Marvin Harrison Jr. He's wide receiver number one. You want some continuity in your offense, and you want your receivers and everybody on offense to know who that guy is going to be. And like Greg said, though, a week from Saturday, they got to travel to South Bend and deal with Big Bad Notre Dame. So it just makes a lot of sense that at this point, Ryan Day, his offensive staff, they will say, we need to, we need to pick a guy and go with him 
so everyone knows who he is, and we have some continuity and consistency on offense. I'm sure that continuity is incredibly important. You guys mentioned what they have coming in two weeks. Number nine, Notre Dame. Next for them, though, Western Kentucky this weekend. He's coming off a 258-yard, three-touchdown performance in the win over Youngstown State. So we will continue to follow this story and much more this week right here on College Football Live. Another big week of week three college football. Colorado on the road this week at game day with Colorado. We will see you then and we will see you back here same time, same place tomorrow on College Football Live.